stand for the reading of the gospel. The Holy Gospel of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, according to Luke. Once when Jesus was praying alone, with only his disciples near him, he asked them, Who do the crowds say that I am? They answered, John the Baptist. But others, Elijah, and still others, that one of the ancient prophets has arisen. He said to them, But who do you say that I am? Peter answered, the Messiah of God. He sternly ordered and commanded them not to tell anyone, saying, The Son of Man must undergo great suffering and be rejected by the elders, chief priests, and scribes, and be killed, and on the third day be raised. Then he said to them all, If any want to become, become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it. And those who lose their life for my sake will save it. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. Please bow with me in prayer. Lord, take my lips and speak through them. Take our minds and think through them. Take our hearts and set them on fire with love for your Son, Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. Well, a couple of weeks ago, when I was thinking about this Sunday, I had every intention of talking about Father's and Father's Day. And uh, once again, happy Father's Day to all of you fathers out there. But when we had what happened last weekend happen, I felt compelled to change the focus of this sermon. And what I'm talking about is what happened in Orlando and what accentuated my thoughts about What I was going to focus on today was also thinking about that a year ago, uh, just uh, a couple of days ago, a year ago, what happened in Charleston with the Emanuel Church shooting. And if you think about it, for some of us, maybe 20 years ago, and I realize some of you are younger than that. But these kind of activities, these terrorist activities, or these, as people are calling them, hate crimes of such a large dimension, and mass casualties, even though they happen elsewhere in the world, and we've been aware of that, they didn't seem to happen in the United States. This kind of stuff didn't happen here. Or at least we weren't aware of such things happening here. Not in our lifetime. And if you have watched the news this past week, some people are calling it that it was a terrorist act. Some people are calling it a hate crime. Some people are attributing it to mental illness. People are trying to find explanations or blame, or excuses, some kind of rationale. Why did this happen? And you can hear in the back of their mind 
How could this happen here in the United States? Because after all, we're so successful and civilized and intelligent. How does this happen here? This happens in other parts of the world, doesn't it? Third world countries, uncivilized countries, radical countries, not here. Evil happens everywhere because evil is pervasive. And we sometimes forget that. And I think what's going on right now is it's tapping our fears because it is so close to home. And we're more aware of the evil because it's happening so close to home. And in fact, if you really have been listening and paying attention to the news, the act that happened, the fact that it happened is this club pulse was actually, in fact, random because he was thinking about Disney World. And he was thinking about Universal Studios. Random violence. Where can I make the most impact? Where can I carry out the most evil? Is almost what's going on in people's minds these days. And it almost doesn't matter whether it comes from terrorism or hate. It's evil. And it happens here and it happens frequently throughout the world. When it happens in other parts of the world, it just seems to maybe not have quite the same impact. I mean, I don't even know how many of you were aware that on Easter Sunday in Lohar, Pakistan, over 70 people were killed, 70 Christians. Not as much was made about that. Evil will always be with us in this world because sin is with us in this fallen world. And we don't have to look far for that. All we need to do is look at our own lives for that. Because we all sin. It makes me sad to see what happens. At times I get outraged. And all of us struggle. But we need to name it what it is. It's evil and it's due to sin in a fallen world. And a secular media is grasping for explanations. And in fact, they just want to assign blame. And they want to try to figure it out in a way that says, maybe we can fix this. Maybe we can figure this out. 
Is it getting any, any better? You know, Jesus Christ, who is God incarnate, and God is love, Jesus Christ was persecuted and he was killed. Jesus was perfect love. Jesus is perfect love because Jesus is God. And he was killed. Call it radicalism. Call it a hate crime. And Jesus' followers, many of them were killed. Jesus promised that those who followed him would be persecuted. Right in this very statement here, if you caught it, Jesus says, who do people say that I am? See, if he's a prophet, he's okay. If he's a good guy, he's okay. Once he's declared as the Messiah, the Christ, the Son of God, now it changes. And Jesus warns them that he's going to be persecuted, he's going to be killed, and they're going to have to take up their cross. And see, we don't want that. We want this to be easy. We want someone else to fix it. It's not going to happen that way. See, when God gave the promises down through the centuries... of believers in him changing the world. He said to Abraham, you will be blessed to be a blessing to the nations, to other people. And what did the Jews do over time? They kept it to to themselves. They wanted to have their safe haven. They wanted to be their own people. And the church, unfortunately, does that too much. And the only way the world's going to change is if we take our own holiness, our own commitment to the Lord, walking the walk, being Christ to the world seriously. And then we take the gospel to the world. How did the Roman Empire change? Pax Romana. That killed tens, if not hundreds of thousands of people. Pax Romana that had millions of slaves. Pax Romana that treated people as second class citizens over and over again. The peace of Rome, the Roman Empire. The greatest empire that had come up to that point. And what changed the Roman Empire? The gospel. That's what changed the Roman Empire. What's going to change our culture and our world? The gospel. It may not eradicate evil because evil's not going to disappear in this world. But what's going to reverse the trend of violence and immorality 
in this world is the gospel. The power of the Holy Spirit in our lives and us becoming change agents in the world. Because we bring the gospel to bear. As we see the gospel begin to make an impact, let's move to Galatians chapter 3. Paul is addressing this, and he does it in an interesting way. He says, first and foremost, there is neither Jew nor Greek. What's he saying? He's saying, look, we love to draw these lines of cultural differences. And he's speaking, remember Paul's background. He's speaking as one who was trained as a Pharisee in the Jewish tradition. The Pharisees were, were ones who wanted to separate themselves from other cultures because it wasn't kosher. It wanted to separate himself from any sinner because he didn't want to become tainted. And when Paul had an encounter with Jesus Christ and then was retrained in the Word of God, he became the apostle to the Gentiles. Completely changed his focus. Because he realized what's going to change the world and break down the walls is the gospel. What God intended for Abraham... Blessed to be a blessing, he discovered for himself. And he wanted to bring the gospel message to the world and change lives. And that's what began to break down the barriers and the walls. And as he studied the life of Christ, he saw that Jesus had already modeled that. As Jesus reached out to the Syrophoenician woman. As Jesus reached out to the woman at the well who was a Samaritan. As Jesus taught the good Samaritan. As Jesus reached out to the centurion who was a Roman. That Jesus was already modeling breaking down these walls and these barriers with other cultures. And then he talked about going to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth with the gospel. And that's why we here take every opportunity, whether it be locally or beyond the United States, every opportunity presented to us to share the gospel. We just had a group leave this morning for Honduras. Sixteen students and four leaders. An offer presented itself to us from Urban Promise. And we responded to the call. Because it's the gospel that's going to make the difference. There's neither slave nor free. Slaves were conquered people. Slaves were possessions. Slaves were people that had no means to support themselves. Slaves were second class at best, if not non-persons and things at worst.
Paul said there's neither slave nor free. And when he addressed Philemon regarding his slave Onesimus, he said, this is your brother. That's how things are going to change. When you understand this is not a possession, this is not a thing, this is a person who in and through Christ is your brother. He's equal to you. And if Paul were to advocate that everybody let their slave go, there would have been a slaughter because people were unconverted. It's only when the gospel would become pervasive throughout the kingdom, as hearts and lives and minds were changed about, we're all servants of Christ. We're all human beings and we're all equal. That slavery would dissipate. That people would understand that there's no place in the kingdom of God for that mindset. For we're all fellow servants in Christ. That in that day, the mindset towards slavery needed to to take place. Paul understood that slaves were intended and meant to be set free. That's what the year of Jubilee was about. In Judaism, which was never done, because it was inconvenient. It wasn't helpful. It would upset the economy. Heaven forbid. And it was when the gospel took hold and attitudes towards slaves changed that slavery slowly dissipated. And slaves were released. God's way. A healthy way. Without slaughter. Without people being thrown out into the streets. There's neither male nor female. Now this is where it gets a little dicey for some. And this was radical too. But once again, we see this in Jesus. How he treated women. The Syrophoenician women I already talked about. The Samaritan woman I already talked about. But the fact that Mary sat at his feet and learned from him. The fact that he treated Martha and Mary like anyone else. The fact that he would let a woman touch his feet in public, wash his feet. The fact that women were amongst his disciples. The fact that Paul talked about Iodia and Syntyche, two leading women in the church when he wrote to the Philippians. The fact that they talked about the gifts of the Spirit being for everyone in Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12, Ephesians 4. Not just the men. That the place of women in the church, the attitude toward women in the world, was completely transformed. Once again, not possessions, not second-class citizens. Jesus and Paul were radical in their treatment and attitude toward women. 
there was a difference in the home. And you need to read Ephesians 5 to understand it. And if you want to talk to me about it, I'm not going to talk about it now. But who wouldn't want a husband who loves their wife as Christ loved the church and laid down his life for the church with that kind of cherish and value, with that kind of self-sacrifice? And oh, by the way, while we're on the subject, men, To be the type of father to your children as God is to us. With loving oversight. With wisdom. And guidance. And imparting the spirit to your children. The roles in the home are a little different. That what Paul was saying is the status quo of culture. Because of the Holy Spirit pervasive in the church, the status quo of culture was not good. And we as the church, by our lives, by our modeling, need to change the culture. By our words, slowly infiltrate the culture. By the gospel, change hearts and lives around us. It's the only way that sin can be dealt with, that evil can be addressed. It's not by laws because laws don't work. It's not by legislation. That's not working too well right now. It's not by economic success. It's by the gospel and the power of the Holy Spirit. The verse before this verse in Galatians chapter 3 tells us how this is done, what the prerequisite is, which is putting on the righteousness of Christ. That's where it begins. When we decide that we want to be Christ-like, when we decide that we want to become as He is, holy, when we decide that we want to proclaim the kingdom like He did, and take up our cross daily and follow Him, that's when things will begin to change. That prayer is vital to living this out. Daily, every morning, being equipped by the power of the Holy Spirit, being filled with the Holy Spirit, being transformed by the Holy Spirit every day. Because we can't do this alone. Praying for people, praying with people. Asking the Lord to give us eyes to see people that we need to touch their lives, 
that we need to reach out with the gospel, that we, we need to be willing to take the step to share with people and to give us eyes to see those that we need to share the gospel with. Prayer every day. Being in His Word every day. So that we have the guidance. So that we give the Lord the opportunity to speak into our hearts and lives. Because we don't have the wisdom in and of ourselves. We don't know the way in and of ourselves. We need Him to speak into us. We need to hear from Him every day. Only the gospel is going to deal with the sin and the evil in the world around us. And it is not getting better. The church can no longer be silent. The church can no longer acquiesce. We cannot just blend into the culture anymore. We can't. We have to make a difference. We've got to walk as Christ. We've got to be His hands, His feet, His voice. There will always be evil until we leave this life. But we can't walk in fear. And we can't live as the culture. We have to walk by faith and walk in His grace and walk in the power of His Holy Spirit and proclaim His gospel. That's how we deal with the evil in the world around us. We've got to be His church. Let's pray. God, it's getting more difficult to ignore the evil around us. And our culture is not getting any better. Sometimes it's easy for us to live in apathy or complacency. Sometimes it's easy to wait for others to do what needs to be done. Sometimes it's easy to compromise and to live as the world and to hope that it goes away. Lord, I pray this day that you would give us clear resolve. to be the church that you intended to know Jesus as our Savior and Lord as the Messiah as Peter declared to be filled with your Holy Spirit to be willing servants instruments of your love and grace 
and to be your mouthpieces to proclaim your gospel. Lord, in a world that is desperate to find explanations, help us to bring them your gospel. In a world that is so uncertain, help us to bring them the certainty of salvation and eternal life. And build their lives on a sure foundation, Jesus Christ our Lord, in whose name we pray. Amen.